This is the Property Development Book Club podcast. Please be advised that the views expressed are of the individuals and do not represent their employers and should not be taken as advice. Please do your own research and seek advice from an appointed professional. Welcome to the Property Development Book Club. I will be your host, Kazim Afalabi. I'm an Associate Director at BBS Capital, working in debt financing. Today we'll be talking to talking about, with my esteemed colleagues, the state of the property market. There's never been a more pertinent time to have this discussion, given where we are in this point in the world and where we are in this point in the market. And so I will let my esteemed colleagues introduce themselves one by one, and then we can kick this off. Why don't we start with Hattie? Thanks, Kasim. I'm Hattie Walker-Arnott. I'm a development sphere by background, and I've been working in prop tech for the past 18 months. Cool. I'm George Dawson. I work at Octopus Real Estate, and I lend money to property developers. I am Obi Chenumbra. I'm a chartered surveyor, valuation specialist, and I work for Newman Web Chartered Surveyors. And I'm Hugh McEwen. I'm an architect, and I work with a 50-50 split of public clients and private clients. So we have quite the room and um, the state of the market is, is quite a broad topic. So there are going to be a few things. I mean, pertinent to this is the, obviously the budget that was announced by the Chancellor a couple, a couple of days ago. Um, and the impact that's had on the property industry has been incredible. Um, I also touch on uh, how architecture and how sustainability is key and how we as a property industry can help with the future. So why don't we start with probably the biggest conversation right now, given it's the state of the market. Um, why don't we just start with the impact that each of you, both from your, pro- from your professional, but also your personal life, how the budget and how the Im- environment has affected you. I think um, the biggest thing obviously we've seen in this last week, literally just last week, um, has been panic and um, whether or not I can actually do this, I think what I'm trying to uh, remember is that panic is not very helpful. And so, you know, we've been through recessions before, we, you know, with much hardship, but we do come out the other side. And I think, you know, as long as uh, we take the approach of being sensible, reining our spending, reining our heating, usage and the such like, um, then there will be some really exciting opportunities that come out of it. But if we just panic and reactive and start, you know, selling stocks and, you know, all of this, that's not going to be helpful. Yeah, I think Hattie's brought up a very interesting point that probably I want to come back to later, which is around being proactive rather than reactive. Um, And and particularly when it comes to the cost of living crisis and energy efficiency of buildings. and you know the the if I talk about say the cost of occupation of buildings um, because that covers that covers cost of living but also um, covers you know cost to businesses of of you know heating and lighting and, and using their their buildings. Um, so yes, I I think what we'd all hope to see coming out of this is um, with some government backing, big programs of of you know insulation, uh, swapping out boilers for heat pumps, putting solar panels on roofs. Um, and really, you know, if, if we can reduce our energy usage as a, as a country, we all, we all save money individually, but also, uh, you know, the, the more expensive peaker 
assets for producing electricity don't have to be run as much. So the, the cost of electricity itself will also fall. So that's mm. that's something I'd really I, I, I want to sort of come back to this later in the podcast. But that's that's something I, I think we'd really hope that we'll see as a response to you know to the cost of living crisis. But yeah, if, if markets lose confidence, um, if if you know sentiment rapidly changes, if businesses lose confidence and lose the the capital to invest you might you might not see that positive proactive response and you might just see um yeah uh, a, a very reactive um destructive response but I, I, I very much hope we don't see that yeah i think it's um i you know i think when when this when this podcast comes out you know We'll be in a very different situation, um, uh, and yeah, <laughs> I hope it's a positive one. And I also hope it's one where, yeah, kind of bigger topics haven't been eclipsed by uh, those 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 kind of immediate financial concerns and and kind of wider yeah wider um, concerns around sustainability and around actually delivering those goals that have been set for longer periods are still being achieved and still being worked towards. And I think you know. Um, Thinking, thinking back to the kind of credit crunch, you know, um, the response to that ended up being kind of a decade or so of austerity in the UK. And I really hope that we don't make that same mistake again. And we actually see big government and we see um, ideas around actually how things could be done differently. Um, and, and that there can be a longer term view taken on, on you know, on uh, finances and society um, that hopefully kind of builds and actually achieves some of these goals that we set ourselves and we don't lose sight of. We'll go back to energy as well. I think everyone's touched on energy cost. Um, I think EPCs came in when they were mandatory in 2018. Um, there's been the Green Deal or whatever. There's various things, various quangos thrown out at every single point by the government. But it, for people to actually take that up, it has to be reflective. There has to be a payback period. It has to be reflective on the value. So having an EPC rating of A, does it actually translate into value, making your home valuable? It doesn't. Until we take that into stock as well as a society, then people will buy into that. Um, that's one area. There have been things like grey water recycling, um, sedum roofs, all those things. Have all, they've all been there for years. But if, if, the main point is until people can see the benefit of them financially to them from a value perspective, they won't generally take up those things. Um, but it's high time we start looking at that and finding a way to actually um, recognise the benefits of all these little initiatives. But also, if someone's going to pay 10000 for a sedum roof, they have to translate to some form of value in their property as opposed to the lender saying, we don't know what this is. <laughs> I suppose that's quite an interesting point, going back to what George was saying about um, the cost of living, is that if maybe now people are much more attuned to their energy uses than they would have been even a year ago. So actually, we may find that organically, um, people do start caring about an EPC who didn't six months ago. Very true. I've never seen uh, a, a situation where not having an EPC has stopped a transaction. Yeah. Just saying, yeah. when your reports you usually just say, oh, bank to confirm, and that would be it. It is an interesting point, though, because when you think about what drives innovation is typically necessity. Mm. And so 
Most people in this room have had a call by your energy provider in the last week, maybe, saying that the cap is leaving or is going. And now we're going to have to figure out the higher payments, right? And so if you're buying a new house or you're, you're moving or you're going, you're moving, you're moving home, surely you will then start looking at, okay, well, I want, may want to move to a more energy efficient building because if not, the cost to me on a daily basis will be more over the time, over the long term. So maybe actually, you know, this in a lot of cases, you know, famous last words, but COVID potentially brought about, I wouldn't say some benefit, but maybe the way that we live our lives and the way we care about our loved ones maybe changed. Whether or not that has actually been the case sort of two years on, um, that's yet to be seen. But in some cases, in, in real sort of, in hard times, people do find a way to find and bring up things that actually are positive and that may be able to, to have an ever a lasting effect. Yeah. So with, uh, with property prices, what we've been seeing is there's no green premium. Right. Mm. Or certain, certain, I mean, maybe the office market is different with Briam excellent and so on. Some, some tenants do value that, but certainly for, for owner occupiers, I mean, well, particularly uh, particularly landlords but for owner occupiers there's no there's no real green premium people aren't paying a lot more for um you know for solar panels and, and well insulated homes and so on there there is a little bit of research that suggests there is a bit of a green premium but it's hard to spot what we are seeing though is, is a brown discount so if you've got a property right. that's epcf people don't want to buy it that will get marked down below below the rest of the market um so we're going to do a little plug here we we are octopus we've got a green homes uh product um in conjunction with homes england so it's a, a government uh housing funding agency yeah um and so what what that does is it offers a a, a, a real discount on developers interest rates if they build green um so if they you know maybe are I, I won't talk about rates, but because um, rate, <laughs> rates could change very rapidly you know, on 20, 29th of September here, 7 p.m. But um, who knows what they'll be by the time this podcast release. But, but you know, what we would do is we'd say, you know, we'll, we'll take 2% off the interest rate uh, if you build to an EPCA, which, um, which is helping developers offset those costs. And we're, and we're finding it's, there's a bit of an education piece that we're trying to lift developers up and, and help them build better stock. But more so, what we're finding is the developers who are building EPCA anyway, they're, they're saying, well, this is great. This is, you know, this is just free money. For are us. we talking, yeah. are these developers on the commercial or residential side? That's one thing we need to factor in. In the residential market, will the market pay a premium for an A? An a? We've got to ask ourselves that question. Um, there we go. Yeah. I think in the my experience in the office world is that again it's it's not so much the the necessary premium but the big blue chip companies who are now so self-conscious about their image who are the ones who have highly will be taking 10-year highly valuable leases they'll only be looking at the Briam excellent and things like that so I do think uh, in offices, it's, it probably applies. We, we fall way. back to the same situation again. The market, transactional office market, is virtually on its knees. So, again, which m with many people working from home now mm. and hybrid working, are people really going to pay £120 per square foot just because they want to lord 
and tell the whole world they've got green credentials. Well, I think I think the the evidence so far is that the ones who can do, and th this is in London, because there's so few properly green buildings that you know they like can the then yeah, yeah exactly exactly. But then it becomes really interesting. What do you do with all the office stuff? Yeah. So I think we have we have quite an interesting because we've we've actually touched on a lot of the topics that we wanted to touch on in, in blocks and which is fantastic. And I guess where I'm going to move this to a little bit is valuation, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> this is the key aspect, because on one hand, we're talking about encouraging developers to build the right stock. Right. And on the other hand, we're saying, well, you're going to you can build the right stock. Here's the value. However, the person who's buying it, are they attributing that value to the property? And go. so as a valuer, you're stuck in between. But this question is for you, Obi. So like, how do you, as a valuer, how do you think about, even in this inflationary environment, both on raw materials for developers, how do you think about values in two, three, four years when you're valuing stock today? Well, you can't. You have to value as at today's state. You can't. You can have a retrospective value, but you can't. You can't project values. You're valuing as at that date of valuation. Um, I think everyone has to buy into it. There's no need. The lenders need to buy into it. The end users need to buy into it. The developers clearly as George just mentioned, are buying into it, but everyone has to buy into it. And the whole market, the whole sphere of the market needs to agree that there is a premium to be had. If not, no, there isn't a point doing it. If you're building to a green standard, it pushes up your build costs. So it does eat into your margins if the market won't pay that premium for it. There has to be a little bit of an education to people to say, here's the hardcore evidence. We've done the numbers, it works over the long term. But who are you talking about? Are you talking about the buyer? We're talking about who, okay. Um, there are various bodies out there. There are various energy companies out there. Let's get a general consensus where someone puts money to it. Let's look at the solar panels. Let's look at the grey water recycling. Let's look at a Brian building versus a Brown building. Let's look at what the occupational costs are. Let's look at the cost benefit analysis in real hard facts and when you put it in front of people oh crikey i could be saving this amount so then can I, yeah can i jump in here so um obviously Oct octopus group most people will be aware of because of octopus energy which is a you know a sister company to octopus real estate where i work um octopus energy i think it's due to launch next week they're trialing what they're calling zero bills homes um so they're at the moment they've got ilka homes on board they're trying to get more developers on board um, and basically the idea is that there's a standard that they've worked out that if you put a load of solar panels on the roof, you put a, a battery in, uh, you, you know, you have, everything's electrified, so, you know, no gas connection, you've got a heat pump for heating, you've got a, a you know, induction hob, all of, all of that. Um, what they think you can do is in the summer, all of the excess energy from the solar panels goes back to octopus energy. You don't see the benefit of it, but then in the winter, when there's not much solar, and you're running the heat pump all the time to heat the house, you then get energy from Octopus Energy for free. So it's a you know a bit of give and take. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting Funny concept. Octopus, yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good um, yeah, it's cool. 
cool. Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. But yeah, so so the idea, and I, as I understand it, there is a high street bank um, that has said they'll then take into account in their affordability uh, checks the fact that that property won't have an energy bill, which at the moment is you know two and a half grand uh, minimum saving. <laughs> yeah, two and a half grand saving. Um, so yeah, so they. You know, it's 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 it's, it's, it's changing, a concept. It's changing and developing so quickly that for for the valuers, you have to just keep on top of it and to be observing it. We're stickler for keeping on top of things. Yeah. <laughs> and as an architect, how do you think about this? Because on one end, you want to create spaces that people want to be in that are um, th that are efficient and that are beautiful and that work. However. Our good friend over here may actually argue, well, no one wants to pay that amount for it. Yeah. And our lender is like, well, well, this lender is doing well, but <laughs> others may say you're not getting, you know, the right amount of debt. And I think so, I think know. that's where kind of different clients have different views as well, you know. And and I think this is where kind of diff, you know, alternative value systems kind of comes in, and and that's something I I sort of like to talk a bit more about. But the um, you know, if you were to go to a local authority client has stuck their neck out and they're targeting net zero carbon, they have a political imperative to deliver houses that are net zero. Yeah. So there is no, you know, uh, they can be as expensive as they are, they can make as little money, you know, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> theoretically, um, because they have an absolute imperative that they have to deliver, a, you know, a legally binding performance target by, by a certain date. And so there's... Um, you know that that is a completely different value system to a monetary one. It, it's 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 completely political. It, it's totally about how do we achieve that 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 goal that we've set ourselves. Um, and you know, yes, yes, you can then reframe it and you can frame it for people in terms of saving money on on bills and you know. But I think actually it's much more about what do we need to do as society, and and that is um, very important. But it's. It's it's a, it sort of doesn't sit well within you know private world yeah within 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 financial value systems and how do you how is it and I don't know what you guys think about this but I think you're onto something here right because if you can marry your financial values with the social value but also a value the community value yeah. and you can go to an investor and say hey you might be making ten percent money or ten percent IR on on this however your ten percent comes with X, Y, Z, the social value, which potentially can be quantified. Yeah, it can. And I, I think, you know, that's, that's a really, I think it's really interesting that, that you know, putting, putting social value into pounds and pence is, is kind of able to explain itself. But I think also we kind of need to step away from that, you know, financial being the, purely, purely, the only way that you can value something, you know, right. and that actually, you know, couldn't it be that we value, you know, money in terms of social value? You know what's the social value that money could deliver? <laughs> so uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know. <laughs> I think you know, I know we're a long, we are a long, we are a long way off that. But you know, I, th I think it's the way. I think it's just more about you know, there are other ways that we can look at value. You know, if you're if you're tendering something, and you know, there are there are a couple of local authorities that have got really innovative um, community wealth building policies, which are literally about putting money back into the pocket of local people and uh, you know those are then those then give alternative ways of valuing tenders that are non-financial and i think it's so interesting that those 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 things completely, are starting to come completely around. agree completely agree i'm a stickler for supporting 
small businesses, but businesses within your community. Um, driving down here, tons of high rises, loads of housing. And I think the emphasis on development has now become housing, housing, because it produces the optimum value. Can't we have a development which incorporates a bit of housing, a bit of healthcare, some amenity space? You're losing quite a fair bit of amenity by clouding the whole landscape with just housing. Um, but again, when we look at within the whole regeneration of this area, can we actually quantify how many local firms took part in the development or made money from that development? There'll be local firms around here who are groundworks, electrical guys, party wall, but how many of them? I think the big behemoths just loved going for the big contractors. And some of those contractors are not locally based, so there's nothing. People, big um, estate regeneration schemes, the reason most of them fail is because the local, um, the local clientele, the stakeholders there are not really considered. I'm not going to mention a lot of North London schemes happening, but I can tell you there are not a lot of local firms who are part of that process. Those local firms work locally, they employ local, they pay business rates locally. So again, that value system, we need to actually pay some attention to that. Um, a lot of local politicians will take the picture, well, we've built a thousand new units, but who has that impacted locally? Hi, my name's Obi Chernumbra. I'm a valuer, chartered surveyor. You've been watching the Property Development Book Club podcast, season two. Like, share and subscribe. My name is George Dawson. I work in uh, real estate development finance at Octopus Real Estate. You've been watching the Property Development Book Club podcast. Like, share and subscribe. Hi, I'm Hattie and this is the Property Development Book Club podcast, season two, sponsored by Mood and Space. Like, share, subscribe. You've been listening to season two of the Property Development Book Club podcast, sponsored by Mood and Space. Hi there, I'm Hugh McEwen. I'm a partner at Office S&M Architects. And thanks very much for listening to season two of the Property Development Book Club podcast, sponsored by Mood and Space. Like, share, and subscribe. That's a very good point. Um, I'm gonna switch tact a little bit, and we talk, we're gonna talk about, for five minutes, a topic that is very close to my heart, debt. And it, it either come, you know, people get either conscious, nervous, or um, worried about this. So particularly about the debt markets, uh, given how volatile it's been over the last um, specifically week, um, George, I just wanted to well, start with you as a lender. How can you just give a couple of, of, uh, of words around how you see the debt markets personally, but also how you as a lender um, think that we can sort of get over the hump of where the market is currently? Tough brief. So um with debt i think a lot a large part of it is how the the lender is funded themselves so are they um you know are they funded from from the market so they're taking debt from from other banks to fund themselves or are they uh you know do they have a big big pod of cash that um that, that they're sat on that's come from other funds that that they can uh, that they can lend out or you know are they are they bank with uh, with retail deposits um and obviously then, you know, if, if, if they're banks, there's, there's a lot of different regulation they've got to follow, follow as well. So, yeah, if, if, you're, if you're sat there with a, you know, large pot of cash that you can call upon, you 
you have returns you have to make for investors and a, tar a target return, um, but you're not you're not you know borrowing at Sonia or anything, um, the interbank rate, then it's uh, it's just a case of sitting here watching the market. Um, what's everyone else doing? Uh, where's sentiment? Where do we think the housing market's going to go? And you kind of you can play for time a bit and, and tweak your rates as needed and and you know. Uh, if you want to turn off the taps, you can turn off the taps, or you can kind of keep tentatively going and and just bring your gearing down a bit and and uh, hope that things stabilise. If though you're, you know, you're funded by, uh, you know, by debt from other banks and you're above Sonia, then you know Sonia's gone up probably one percent in a week. So your your cost of debt has gone up one percent a week. So what you're passing it on. Uh, to your clients has probably gone up by a bit more than one percent in a week. So, so then it's, uh, yeah, then it's a then it's a very diff different different equation, um, and yeah, I think it's going to be a it's going to be a, a tough time for lenders. I mean, one one thing with development lending is you're you're building, you know, you're you're closing a deal now that's going to take at least a year to build out, you know, a lot of schemes, two, three years, you know, flatted schemes would be two or three years. So you've got, you got to make an assessment of, yeah, sure, there might be, there might be a market correction in the next 12 months, but by the time they're selling these flats in two years, you know, are things going to have recovered a bit? I mean, no one, no one knows the answer to that. So everyone, every, everyone will come up with a different answer to it. But I think ultimately there will be, There'll, there'll always be good schemes that you can back, um, but the market the market has sentiment as well, and and if everyone, uh, you know, if everyone does get a bit scared, so you know, as a lender, as a lender, you can't really buy the dip. Um, so we'll 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 see. <laughs> yeah, and I think so. As as an advisor, I think we uh, at BBS Capital, I said quite a unique space because we're helping and arranging financing for our clients who want to take debt out. And in simple terms, if you were to, if you were looking to buy a house and you were a mortgage broker, for example, you go to, you go to your mortgage broker and your broker tells you what the rates are available for you to borrow to buy your house. Um, I wouldn't say that that's what I do, but it's in, in a nutshell similar, but for uh, large institutions and for clients with uh, projects that are a little bit larger. And so depending on whether it's an investment deal, depending on whether it's a development deal, um, obviously this last week has been very difficult because people with huge amounts of money are, are, are waiting and looking to see whether, because not just on the debt side, but on the equity side as well, if you're buying a house, and the, the prices of, of rates have gone up, it will have an impact on the value of the property. And so lots of people with what we say, you know, huge sums of money are waiting to see whether they can get deals that'll be cheaper in a month, two months, three months, based on the environment that we're in at the moment. So as much as there is doom and gloom, there's also opportunity, I guess is kind of where we're going with this. And that's a very nice segue of opportunity into how from an opportunity for, for sustainability and the state of the market in sustainability for whether it's developments, whether it's architecture, property technology and lending. Can you guys just give a little bit of, of, um, of your thoughts around how you see the state of the market when it comes to sustainability in the UK and what we can do in the next sort of few years to make this place a better place for our kids? 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm just following your thoughts there. Um, can I quickly just pick up something on the prop tech, or, or yeah. should we? Do we need to move on no, to no, the sustainability? Um, I, I think one thing that's really exciting about again about this time is that because the, the markets have been quite like steady, let's say over the last like realistically since Brexit, things have been kind of not great, but fine. And then now we're entering quite a different time. Um, and I believe that's one of the reasons why tech adoption and also probably sustainability adoption has been relatively slow because people have been doing fine. So why do we need to change things? Why do we need to like spend money on new, new systems, which we don't like when we're fine? And I'm actually quite excited that this will be the point where people can't um, just keep going as they were before. And so I think, um, yeah, I think there'll be both a consumer behavior change, like let's say from the um, simple example, like I'm guessing everyone here has used less heating over the last month than they would have done September last year. Like, which also shows that we probably should have been doing that anyway, and we just didn't need to. So I think there'll be that like natural consumer just awareness change, which will help on the sustainability side. And then I think on the technology side, I think people will be willing to try more things because we'll be at a point where it's like, right, well, let, you know, let's say we can't sell a house in a traditional way. Let's look at one of these house buying platforms that will give me a fixed price and I can sell my house tomorrow. And those haven't really taken off recently, like in the last five years, but there are platforms like that that might suddenly become um, really valuable tools in our society. Can I answer you, Obi? Sustainability, not quite sure where to actually hit land on. Um, As a valuer, I guess. No, no, you go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I think, oh, I think to, come back, to come back to your question, I think, I think that shift, um, I th you know, I'd, I would hope it will be um, a lot, a return or a, a view about long-termism and really thinking about things over a much greater period of time. Uh, because I think that, um, you know, I think as Hattie was touching on there, you know, this, this kind of, it's okay, we can just kind of keep going and thinking about this sort of short term, I think just isn't going to really cut it anymore. And, and as George was saying about kind of, you know, you know, riding out the dip or kind of longer term views on, 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 on debt, you know, I think, I think, um, that has, uh, for me, kind of been a view that's been building and building around around just thinking about a, you know a significantly longer period than than uh, than we have previously, and it's kind of yeah structuring our lives and structuring society kind of around that, and then obviously the built environment that, that kind of follows that, um, and I, and I think you know in some way if we look back at um, you know. It, things like the oil crisis in the 70s, you know, that, that led to a radical rethinking of, of how kind of society could work. Um, and uh, yeah, was, was all of these incredible movements around sort of how we could literally rebuild the world based on that, you know, not needing supplies and not needing to, um, to, to, uh, to be reliant on fossil fuels. And it kind of feels as though Potentially, that could be an outcome. You know that that there could there could be a kind of societal change, and you've seen that in you know um, in 
younger generations of, of people kind of coming through and really championing that. Um, and so, I, I, yeah, I kind of in some way hope that it can lead to a, a, a sort of different feel about time and a different view. Just a quick point there, um, sustainability, we, we're talking about it, we've talked about the various options, initiatives, what about the skill sets, the right skills to actually deliver these things. Uh, one of my favourite places to go is Norway and the Scandinavian countries, just people are absolutely brilliant at construction, retrofitting, 1960s blocks, it's, their buildings are energy efficient, they've got everything in there. We need the right skills. Your typical heating engineer only knows how to probably install a district heating system, a combi boiler, system boiler. We're talking about heat pumps. Mm. We need the right skill set to do that. We need the right skills. We, there needs to be some form of upskilling of the people who are actually going to take this whole sustainability initiative forward for the long term. And you have to then get those guys, the, the tradesmen, to buy into that, the whole process to move away from your traditional combi district heating installation and bring in, um, I don't know how you do it, whether it's a new degree course or technical training, but we need those skill sets. Yeah, it's really interesting what you both just said because, of course, Sweden and the Scandinavian countries, after the oil crisis, moved to heat pumps. So their, their heat pump penetration is like 70, 80% of the market or something crazy. So they did that back in the 70s and 80s after the oil crisis. So yeah, this could be, you know, Western Europe, UK's time, <laughs> time, time to do the same. Desperation breeds innovation. Back to that. So the, one of the phenomenal things about the Property Development Book Club is just the array of perspective and professionals in the property industry that are just sat amongst us. And we've touched on a lot of different topics, but they've all been in and around property, just from very different perspectives. And I guess getting coming to um, almost like a conclusion of the state of the market, both from a debt and equity market, both from property, uh, prop tech, sorry, sustainability, finance, valuation, to almost wrap it all up. And I, and I would like for you guys, each of you guys to sort of give almost like your final word. Um, but including that, where you see the future. So your final word, but plus, what is, the, what is the advice you're giving to people that might be listening to this? You probably will be wrong, but be <laughs> 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 And by the time this comes out, it will probably be retrospective looking, but I think it would be interesting to hear anyway. So why don't we start with you? Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think really to echo Obi's point, I think it's like, the next generation it's like how can those how can how can kind of the youth of today be put in the uh, position of having uh, the skills that empower them to kind of make those those moves in the future and how can then that transition into something that's a much longer term view and i think you know yeah that that's that's got to be all the generations kind of ahead of them that's they've got to be their responsibility to to hand that hand that over and i think only then can you then start to take those longer term views without actually ride out you know any of the problems that we're we're looking and challenging you know being challenged by at the moment and how do you see the state of the market <laughs> ask me ask me when this comes out <laughs> um again championing hughes point about value system i think in the last few years we've our perspective on values just been monetary 
we need to move away from that. Society needs to be more equitable for everyone, both in the built environment and everything else. We really do need to focus on that as well. Um, one of the biggest factors, I have quite elderly parents, so I'm acutely aware that sometimes when we talk about built development or built environment, we don't really look at the elderly as well. They're losing a lot of bungalows. Uh, there's no preeminent developer doing elderly care, um, elderly property apart from, is that McCarthy? Stone or someone, we really do need to start looking at developing communities where we're not just having penthouses, high rises. Let's let's have a mix of both the elderly there, the middle age. Let's have a mixed community, not just shipping off our elderly to some retirement flats in the middle of nowhere. We've got an aging generation, so we need to actually start building for these people. Fortun okay, fortunately, uh, my parents have a place which has a through the ceiling lift that gets them up as opposed to uh, um, a stair lift. Stair lifts are what, 20, 30 years old, they're outdated. That's like looking at developments and tenures that includes the elderly as well. Um, I mean, look, it's going it's to be a tough time in the, the, the immediate future, the short term. But I think if you want to solve the cost of living crisis, if you want better energy security as a nation, if you want to um, you know, get to net zero and reduce carbon emissions, then energy efficiency, electrification, uh, you know, your own homegrown renewables in terms of solar panels or offshore wind farms or whatever, onshore wind farms, that is, that is the solution. It solves all, you know, all of those problems are solved by that, uh, that drive. So yeah, in the built environment, we need to be driving that much more. I think um, one thing that I've always been very passionate about in our industry is the amount of empty space that we see, um, even just walking down today from the tube and seeing so many empty flats, empty retail units. And again, I think it's because people have been complacent and haven't had you know, the increasing you know, finance being so cheap that it hasn't mattered really if something's sat empty. And so my prediction or hope for the next year is that more people end up selling empty flats, we get places back into occupation, um, sites that have just been sat, sat there because the developer didn't need to do anything with it can finally get sold and we can get some real movement and some better use of all the existing space that we do actually have available. Well said. Um, and I think just as a, as a wrap up from, from, our, from my perspective, the the really interesting thing i guess especially in times of pain and i think we've all touched on it today is that you know it doesn't last forever His history has told us this numerous times and the state of the market today and we, we've laughed and joked about this but it's absolutely apt by the time this podcast comes out it might look a very very different place and so keeping calm and carrying on um, there will be pain i think that that's kind of the general consensus of everyone but through that pain, there's innovation and there's, there's light ahead of that tunnel and there are things that we can do and that we all will be doing uh, to help us alleviate some of those pains, whether that's through um, all the things that you guys have talked about, whether that's through you know, the debt or equity markets that, that, are, that, that are currently there. Um, but I think to conclude, the state of the market is interesting. However, in future, it will get better. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. 
This is the Property Development Book Club podcast. Please be advised that the views expressed are of the individuals and do not represent their employers and should not be taken as advice. Please do your own research and seek advice from an appointed professional.